Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome into episode 222 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Bridget Prue. Here with Scott McLaughlin, Brian DeFelice having technical difficulties, so just the two of us uh, for today reacting to preseason game two, as well as practice from uh, this morning's two sessions for the Bruins. So Scott, you just came over from Bruins practice. Um, A little bit of different lines this morning uh, of note, especially in the top six. Yeah, so basically everyone who played Tuesday night in Buffalo. They were part of the second group Wednesday at practice. Everyone who didn't play was in the first group, which is most of the regulars because uh, there weren't a lot of regulars who went to Buffalo. Um, so yeah, the most notable combination is right at the top. The The first line was Brad Marshan, Pavel Zaka and David Pasternak, you know, kind of a, a loaded up top line that we didn't. And I would say, probably still don't expect to see for opening night because Jim Montgomery has said that he anticipates having Marshan and Pasnak on two different lines. Um, but he was asked about after practice and said, this was just something he wanted to take a look at. Uh, we talked to Brad Marshan as well. And, you know, he said, yeah, he thought things went pretty well with, with the three of them together. Um, you know, if they do stay together, they'll have to build some more chemistry he talked about how there can be, you know, kind of an added benefit because all three of them are going to be on the top power play unit as well. And sometimes, you know, if you have power play chemistry, it carries out a five on five and vice versa. So that was interesting to see this. That made the second line, uh, Charlie Coyle centering James Van Reemsdyke and Jake DeBrusque. And then from there, you know, I don't know if you can read too, too much into like the third and fourth lines. Cause again, that's where you get into, some of those guys were playing in Buffalo, so they were part of a different group uh, at Wednesday's practice. But you had Trent Frederick, Morgan Geeky, and Patrick Brown together. And then Brett Harrison, Matt Potra, and Fabian Lysel, three of the kids who did not make the trip to Buffalo. So, um, yeah, I mean, just that that top six group looking looking a little different was notable. Yeah, and in that top line, like you mentioned, of Marshawn, Zaka, and Pasternak would be what we were kind of referring to as like the loaded first line. Like if you don't split up Marshawn and Pasternak and you put them both on the same line, you're not really spreading things out through the top six as much. Um, So, I mean, it'd be interesting to see that. But as you mentioned, it's more likely than not going to be Marshawn with Coil in, in some way, shape, or form, uh, and Zaka with Pasternak, though there's still time to develop chemistry in the preseason. Um, but so that was just practice. I think we should spend most of the time on preseason game two. It was not the prettiest game. Uh, goaltending was not as good as uh, Brendan Bussey in the first one. It was Kyle Kaiser um, started out, played most of the game, then DPHO came in and played the final period. Um, I thought that the most 
the things of no came most from the defense. Uh, they had Grizzly and Carlo, the regulars in there, but uh, Carlo was paired with Mason Lorai and he's somebody that we really wanted to get a look at. And he got a lot of ice time. Uh, thoughts on Mason Lorai's first preseason game this year. Yeah. So Mason Lorai in the box score was listed as having played 29 minutes. Uh, I asked Jim Montgomery about that Wednesday and he said, he thinks the tracking of ice time was actually a little off. Uh, he doesn't think he got to 29, but he did say that he still played over 25. So that that's still a lot of ice time. And yeah, I thought, I thought Laura looked pretty good for the most part. Um, you know, was pretty clean. He had one bad turnover in his own zone where he kind of blindly threw the puck up the boards and it went, <laughs> went, you know, right to Buffalo. There was no brewing even in the neighborhood. Um, but other than that, I mean, he was he was active. He looked pretty smooth in transition, got involved in the offensive zone, ends up with an assist on the Bruins' only goal, which comes late in the third period from, from Oscar Steen. It was, uh, you know, Merkulov and Steen kind of combined to win a faceoff. Lorai puts a shot on net. Steen buries the rebound. So, um, yeah, Montgomery said he thought Lorai got better as the game went on, which, again, is a is a good sign when you're – handling those kinds of minutes that obviously, you know, he wasn't wearing down or anything. Um, Montgomery also called him a big horse, which is always, always a good compliment for defensemen. We've heard Charlie McAvoy called, called things like that in the past or, you know, stallion or whatever. So um, (laughs) yeah, you know, pretty, pretty good preseason debut for Laura. Obviously he has a bit of an uphill battle because it's not like he's not battling for seventh defenseman, if he's going to make the team, he has to be in the top six. Like he has to play. It wouldn't do him any good to be playing one out of every three or four games. Like if if that were the case, it's better for him to be in Providence. Yeah. Yep. He showed, he definitely showed he could handle the minutes. Like you mentioned, Um, he's big, right? Seeing him out there next to Brennan Carlo and him not being that much smaller. uh, You're like, Oh, wow. Yeah, this kid, he looks like his face is so young looking, but he's he's big. He's um, I think he handled a lot of the situations correctly. I do recall the play up the boards that um, was, you know, not not a very uh, well advised decision to make in that situation. And there was another defenseman, too, I wanted to talk about, um, which was Ian Mitchell. Ian Mitchell had a few plays that, was, that drew my attention. Um, he made a steal in the at the offensive blue line, set up a scoring chance. He had another shift where he had more than one shot on goal. Um, he ha- he seemed to be pretty confident skating-wise. I don't know if you had any takeaways from him. Yeah, I mean, he was, he was active offensively for sure. And mm-hmm. on a night where the Bruins were clearly struggling to generate offense, struggling to score, like – at least he was trying to make things happen and had a team high nine shot attempts. Now five of them got blocked. So that's something to work on. That's not ideal when more than half of your shots are getting blocked, but even beyond just the shots, I mean, he was a couple times he was below the goal line, carrying the puck, like trying to make things happen. So uh, he was another guy Montgomery praised after the game. He named uh, by name, Jesper Boquist, who we'll get into as well. And then Grizzlick and Mitchell on defense, he said, did did good jobs uh, keeping plays alive offensively, keeping pucks in the zone. So, um, 
yeah, you know, another guy who's in a really interesting spot where he can, comes over in the Taylor Hall trade. He's on an, an, an NHL contract, easy for me to say. Um, so, you know, if he's going to get, if he's going to get sent down to Providence, he has to clear waivers. So, you know, I think right now everyone sort of has him penciled in as the eighth defenseman if they have enough cap space to carry eight, but they might not. So he could be in a competition where it's, Hey, you know, who's the seventh defenseman? Is it him or Jacob Zaborl? Or obviously it could be someone else, but those would seem to be the two favorites. So, um, you know, Zaborl played the first game and I thought for the most part, looked pretty good until he got hurt. Uh, you know, had, had an assist on Johnny Beecher's goal. Mm-hmm. Now Montgomery said Zaboro's injury isn't serious. And he actually initially thought he had a chance to return to practice on Wednesday. Zaboro did not practice on Wednesday. So he's still out, but it sounds like he should be back relatively soon. Um, so yeah, that, that that's going to be interesting. If, if only one of those two can make the team, who is it and who, you know, who gets waived and, and, exposed to potentially getting claimed by another team. I I mean, Ian Mitchell is also one of the few players that played both games. So, um, yeah, he also played game one. And he was a little bit less noticeable in game one, though he still did perform pretty well. And through both games, I think you could see what he might be able to bring. Unfortunately for Zaboral, he does have that injury history. So if you did need to make a tough decision, I don't know if that factors in. And it helps Ian Mitchell's case um, in terms of if you have to choose one or the other, if there's not enough cap space. So um, we'll keep an eye on Ian Mitchell. But unfortunately for him, uh, as we've mentioned before, there are really not any top three pairing roles available. Um, They also signed Kevin Shattenkirk, who has not played yet in the preseason. Um, and like you mentioned, Zaboral may or may not be above him in the depth chart. And then we're talking about Mason Lari again, um, who it appears just because of the talent in front of him, that there's not a spot for him this year. Um, but there's just so many players on that, right on that edge, right under the top six that we're not sure how that's going to play out. And Ian Mitchell made a good case for himself. I thought in game two. Yeah, and then, you know, there's even a a player like Mike Callahan, who I thought was the best defenseman on Sunday, and in Wednesday's practice was paired with Charlie McAvoy. Now, part of that is because Matt Grizzly and Brandon Carlo weren't in that group because they played Mm -hmm. in Buffalo, but still, like, that's that's not nothing to get put with McAvoy for a practice. Um, You know, he's a player who can easily be sent to Providence, so you, you... Sometimes you get into that that numbers game where it's, all right, guys are close, but one guy we can send down without going through waivers type thing. Um, you know, so yeah, so there there could be a little bit more of a competition than we anticipated. I think everyone sort of just looked and thought, okay, Jacob Zaboral, seventh defenseman, most likely same thing he was last year, but that's not that's not really locked in. I do think one thing that maybe plays in Zaboral's favor is he's probably when he's playing well, he's a little more versatile in terms of who he can play with potentially, you know, playing either side Mitchell. I don't know how much experience he has switching over to the left side. 
if he had to. Um, he is a little bit more of an offensive-minded defenseman. He's a little on the smaller side. So, you know, you're a little bit limited in terms of, like, who you can put him with and what kind of role you can put him in. You know, like, he could be a decent one-for-one replacement for, like, Kevin Shattenkirk on the third pairing mm-hmm. and sort of play that puck mover role. But if something happened to McAvoy or Carlo for a game, where's he going in? Like, you're probably not putting him and Matt Grizzlick together. That's probably too small of a pairing. So um, you would run into a little bit of, of limitations in that way, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, he has he has those disadvantages, like you mentioned, but the world has his as well. He hasn't really been able to carve out a consistent role for himself in Boston yet. So um, there could be like a re- reliability issue maybe in that situation. Um, we will see. Yeah, Callahan did have a good game one. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens with him the rest of the preseason. I just think, unfortunately for him, he's kind of stuck in Providence at this point, um, with the depth that's at defense currently. Um, I wanted to talk about some of the offensive lines that some that I thought were quiet and, and some flashes I saw from, from certain people. So, um, I think that that Lucci, McLaughlin chase online did a really good job for checking. And there were times during the game that the Bruins were putting a lot of pressure on Buffalo deep in their own end to not let them get the puck out. I think that line did a really good job of that feature also in Lauco um, who are on the same line with Trevor Kuntar, who um, used to play at Boston college. That line also seemed to do a good job for checking and kind of swarming and overwhelming uh, the breakout for Buffalo I did think that the Heinen Merkelov Steen line was probably the quietest line of the four. Um, and then we, you had uh, Toporowski, Megna, and Boquist, which you mentioned that Montgomery singled out Boquist after the game. I I mean, we see both, by the way, Boquist playing on the right wing, not center in this game. But well, but eventually center, though. He, he eventually. Yeah, he, yeah, moved he got moved around, around because he also ended up with playing on the same line with Beecher at times. But um, I didn't think that he had the most noticeable game of the forwards to to have been called out like that. I thought I thought he was solid. Um, I thought he was honestly like as noticeable as anyone in this group because, quite frankly, I don't know that any forward had a really strong game. Um, I think they all, especially the first two periods, I think they all had stretches where. They were very quiet, almost invisible. You know, some the team as a whole and some guys in particular came to life in the third period, um, you know, which I think is when I noticed Boquist the most. Like, he yeah. he helped he helped win some battles down low. He got himself open in the slot for a few chances. Um, Steen obviously ends up getting the goal. Lauko takes back-to-back penalties, leaves the box, and literally six seconds later – interferes with the saber and then after that like almost to atone for that he has a great rush down the left wing where he blows right past the defenseman uses his speed drives to the net gets a good scoring chance mark mclaughlin takes an offensive zone penalty and again like almost to make up for it i thought he was more involved in the offensive zone after that and had some good play like good second um you know like second chance plays keeping pucks alive, keeping it in the offensive zone and helping to generate longer possessions. 
But, you know, ideally, like, those guys don't have something they have to make up for, and you would just see that effort all three periods. Um, I thought Beecher was quieter than Sunday's game. Still did some good things. Had a couple good defensive plays. Um, you know, had one good pull-up in the offensive zone. Pass across to Matt Grizzlick. He did draw a penalty. Um, kind of just looking around here. Two guys I thought had really quiet games who need to not have quiet games are the PTO guys, Alex Chason mm-hmm. and, and Danton Heinen, um, who, you know, both of them really weren't very noticeable. So that's, you know, Jim Montgomery was asked about them Tuesday morning uh, before the game and said, like, yeah, it's, it's clear that they're NHL players. You know, they have NHL brains. They know what they're doing out there. But he was like, he was really frank. He was like, they have to outplay guys, like, period. Like, they they have to beat someone out for a job. And certainly don't think either one of them took any steps towards that uh, Tuesday night. No, I agree. Heinen was, it was almost like I, he wasn't out there. <laughs> and, and somebody that was a, a center prospect that we had heard a lot of really good things about, um, Merkulov, I thought was really not super noticeable either. Um, Beecher also playing in his second preseason game. He, I would say, was pretty consistently uh, didn't have as much offense this in this second game, but he still was forechecking while getting to the right areas on the ice, uh, using his speed, trying to be physical. Um, so I thought he had a decent game. I I want to get your thoughts on Lucci because uh, there wasn't a single forward in preseason game two's lineup that was with the Bruins for a majority of last season. Lauka was the most, um, but still he was not, you know, uh, regular in the lineup uh, the whole year. So uh, we didn't have, we, we, this offense was not set up to be as good as the last game when they had DeRusk and Van Riemsdyk in, but Lucci uh, is really the veteran to look at from the group that played. What did you think of him? I thought he, I thought he was pretty quiet. Um, you know, I think you saw him with some a little bit of decent puck possession at times, holding on to pucks in the offensive zone, but not a lot. And again, that's sort of a product of the Bruins in general just didn't spend a ton of time in the offensive zone. Um, one thing that stood out that I meant to mention like with this entire group. And I was just reminded, reminded of it because Lucic had zero hits in the game. Now he did kind of throw a little jab at a saber kind of later in the third period. Um, But the Bruins as a team now preseason counting stats are dangerous as we learned with the ice time thing, but the Bruins only were only credited with nine hits. And that actually like doesn't feel that low to me watching it, it was like no one was really playing super physical. And when you consider that Jim Montgomery has made that a point of emphasis and said they need to be a more physical team this year, has said it publicly, has presumably said it in team meetings. And then you have all these guys battling for bottom six jobs go out in a preseason game and not play physical. It's like, uh, guys, did, did, did you miss the memo? Like, did that message not get through? Um, you would think there, you know, there would have been a little more urgency in that department. And, and I don't, I know Lucic was the lead into this, but 
I don't put that on Lucic. Like he's he's a veteran. He's in his going into his 16th season. He doesn't need to be setting the tone in preseason, or at least he shouldn't. Like that should be some of the younger guys stepping up, saying, "I'm going to be the guy who does it." I, I think AJ Greer tried to do it Sunday's game. We we saw AJ Greer do it last year, and it won him a job on the team. You know, along with other stuff, obviously. But yeah, I think that like that's a path for some of these guys to get themselves noticed, and really, no one took advantage of it on Tuesday. Well, just looking at the lineup, <laughs> there's no one on here besides Lucci to that. I would see like starting a fight. Like there's not well, like another aging group. No, I, don't, I don't even, yeah, I don't even mean a fight. I just mean like throwing, like hitting someone on the four check, you know, along the boards. I mean, McLaughlin, Chieson, you know, Steen's a, a shorter guy, but like he's stout. He can play a little bit physical. Beecher was physical Sunday, not yeah. so much Tuesday. Lauka, yeah. we know, you know, will throw his weight around a little bit. Like, I, I think know. maybe Lauka was just worried, didn't want to get another penalty. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, those penalties are what, like late second periods? I mean, even before that, mm-hmm. I, didn't, yeah. I didn't really think he was doing much. Yeah, so underwhelming uh, in preseason game two. They're going to be back home at the Garden for another preseason game on Friday, we, as far as I know, Scott, we do not have the lines for that yet. Not um, yet, but but I would definitely expect more of the regulars, more more big names, especially for a home game. Yeah, so maybe something a little bit closer to the practice lines in Group One today. Yeah, I, I think that's it's probably pretty good bet. We'll, we'll see, you know, what the lines look like at Thursday's practice if he if Montgomery changes things up again, but. I'm going to guess that whatever the lines are for Thursday's practice is going to be a pretty good indication of what Friday's lineup looks like. It'd be good. We will both be there. Finally, the Red Sox are almost over. So I'll be able to to jump in and join you at some of these preseason games soon enough. Yeah, I know. Also, like there's this little bit of a gap now between Tuesday to Friday and then it's Friday they take the weekend off, which I appreciate. And then Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, I think, are the, are like the yeah. last, like they all bunch together. So, um, and, yeah, and I mean, weirdly, like Monday's on the road and Tuesday's home and Thursday's on the road. Yeah. So I, I imagine that Monday, Tuesday, you'll probably see two completely different teams. I'm going to guess like whoever plays Monday won't play Tuesday, but yeah, other than that, I think, you know, the regulars are going to get at least two of these final four games, maybe even three. So, um, which obviously all what that also means is like these guys lower in the lineup, you know, all of a sudden not as many opportunities. Like mm-hmm. where, where it's been, you know, a full lineup of these guys potentially trying to battle for spots. Now it might only be three, four, five of them getting in for – for one game. So, um, you know, also highlights the importance of practice, which is something Jim Montgomery talked about on Wednesday is, you know, cause he was talked about, he was asked about like where the team is after two games, that type of thing. And one thing he said is like him and the coaching staff just had a meeting where they're talking about not overreacting too much to games. Like basically everyone other than I think Beecher and Mitchell, has only played one game. So it's like, 
okay, so they get 14 minutes in a game versus hours of practice time that we've seen. And he's like, you know, you have to remind yourself that like those 14 minutes don't like they're important, but they don't tell the whole story. So, um, you know, and I think of that particularly with say a guy like Chieson, who, you know, as we said, did have a quiet game, but I think has looked good in training camp and has had some, some really strong practices. And it's like, all right. Yeah. Like that, that's the kind of guy, like I, as soon as Montgomery said that, that's who I thought of where it's like, okay, maybe don't completely write him off because he had one quiet preseason game when he's, you know, otherwise had a good camp and has like very much kept himself at least in the conversation to, to make this team. So um, yeah, but nonetheless, especially for guys pushing for roster spots, like you get into these last four games, it, it is important. So you got to bring it. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm guessing for Friday, we haven't seen McAvoy or Lindholm yet. So my guess is that's one of might not be your pair because you're going to might want to um, stagger them with some of the younger guys, but um, kind of a safe bet to think McAvoy should be getting in soon and probably at home. So um, might see him. And I assume one of the regular goalies as well, Swayman or Allmark, um, if not both, uh, we will see. I do want to see more Brendan Bussey, but um, I'm not sure how much else of him we'll see. Um, and another question I would have is I assume that uh, if they're alternating, this would be another game that Potter gets in. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I mean, I would think so. You know, Montgomery already said like he, Potter will get into another game. So yeah, I feel like the earlier, the better there because that's going to be one of the tougher decisions and you, you want to give yourself, you know, an, enough looks to like be like if you're going to send them back to juniors without getting them any NHL regular season games you want to be sure like you don't want to get to that decision and be like uh you know maybe we could have given him one more game just to see type thing like no if if he's under consideration get him into games and like give yourself enough time to evaluate him so yeah I I would like to see him in again Friday that you know, that makes sense to me. So. Yeah. And Lysel as well. I would think those two guys who both played game one, didn't play game two might be back to play at home for game three and be surrounded by more of the, the regulars, if you want, the, more of the uh, NHL guys from last season. So uh, that's, I'm excited and looking forward to seeing what those guys can do. Maybe they move Lysel um, up next to uh Zaka or Coyle or whomever they put them on the wing with. It could be interesting to see. Um, So yeah, is there any other thoughts you have from practice or preseason game two or anything Um, else? I guess. (laughs) Let's see. Don't really think so. Um, No, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty good. I think. Um, Kevin Shanker could be another one who will probably get in Friday. Mm-hmm. I think he hasn't played yet, but mm-hmm. yeah, other than that, it's all those, all those forwards, you know, who haven't, haven't played yet. Just, you know, I think you're going to get Marshan, Pasternak, Zaka, Coyle, um, you know, Vin Reams like has already played a game, but maybe he gets back in now with like his actual line mates. 
same with DeBrusque. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. W- one last note from from practice: uh, Patrick Brown was has been back back at practice. He left Sunday's game injured uh, when he blocked a shot, but he's he's been out there. Um, Matt Grizzlick finished the game was on the ice again Wednesday. Uh, he did leave the preseason game briefly because uh, he took a shot that deflected in into a a region where no man wants to get hit. Um, you know, little puck puck pulled a little Mac Jones on him. So uh, oh, we're gonna get really <laughs> we're gonna bring Mac Jones into this. Yeah, this, hey. this is called the skate pod. You know what? <laughs> Mac Jones, Mac Jones did, did this to, him, to himself. That's what he's going to be associated with now. Everyone's yeah. along yeah, with no. uh, well, like kicking a guy and kind of like kicked a guy in the nuts last year, and now this year he's, uh, you know, whacking Sauce Gardner. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, no, that was. Um, if you want to hear more about that, tune into Wei Jones and Mego. Yeah, <laughs> and I was going to I was gonna say. I was going to say literally any radio show in the city because that's, yeah. that's all they're talking about. I know it's, it's crazy. It went, it went viral, like including some of the interview that Jones and Mego had with um, Mac Jones, because they, I guess people were mad that it wasn't addressed like in the interview or, or, or what have you. I mean, I'm sure it'll come up this upcoming uh, Patriots Monday. I mean, like I, th- this is way off topic now, but like, I, th- I thought they actually pushed pretty hard on that. And yeah, I did too. <laughs> Mac clearly just was not going to talk about it. So it's like, no. what, what do you want to like, you want him to ask five different ways and he's not going to answer any of them. I mean, yeah, Arkan, Arkan like did try to ask it multiple ways yeah. and it did not. I mean, he just kept, you know, deflecting in his politician way of speaking, but um yeah what do you i mean what are they what do people around the country think he's gonna say yeah i tried to punch him <laughs> like, i should have uh, the bell. <laughs> i should have tried to talk to trent frederick about this he's good he's got some experience remember when uh alex ovechkin gave gave him a, a nice whack after a hit? yeah oh <laughs> uh, yeah we haven't seen it yeah maybe we'll probably see frederick again uh friday and uh i was also thinking of this forbert I'm not, I'm assuming yeah. I'd see him Friday because yeah, he hasn't played so. yet. Yeah. So. Anyway, this is not a Mac Jones podcast. Listen to Six Rings with Fitzy. <laughs> there you go. A little plug for Fitzy. Um, all right. So if we are good, I'm going to call it and I'm going to head to the Red Sox. <laughs> Bye, everyone.